there was a lot of um, you had different pockets of musical um, what people were into in high school in, in, in the UK you would have your Duran Duran types and Wham and George Michael George Michael you'd have your ACDC and Iron Maiden types your, your gothic types as well and then there was like the U2 big country simple minds and I listened to everything you know I, I, I don't I didn't think didn't bat an eyelid with buying Fantastic by Wham and uh, and then Iron Maiden number of the beast or 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 U2 or Simple Minds and I love Simple Minds I've probably seen them more than any other band everyone and welcome to a new episode of set lusting bruce your podcast all about bruce springsteen his music and mostly his fans i am your host jesse jackson and joining me uh in one of our timey-wimey episodes where it is my morning his afternoon is paul welcome paul how you doing jesse i am great uh so i am so glad you took time to join me yep me too good yeah, so tell us a little about yourself. Uh, well, I'm Paul. Uh, I'm, uh, I live in England. I live in uh, a place called Stafford in England. Uh, Bruce fans might know it because he did actually play here in Stafford back in 1981 on the River Tour in the count, uh, what we call the County Showground, and um, which where they they sort of they sell to livestock market basically. And if you've ever read a book by Dave Marsh, Glory Days, released in the 80s. It actually mentions the gig in that particular book because it still smelt of livestock when they actually did the gig. Because they, <laughs> yeah, they just had a farmer's market or a livestock market the day before the show. Yeah, well, but that's still going. It's still up and running. I actually went there last week to have my um, COVID vaccination. Um, so, yeah, so that's all good. And, uh, yeah, living here in Stafford, uh, I work on the trains on the railway. I'm a, a, a ticket man, train inspector, ticket inspector on the railway. And I've been doing that for about oh, on almost 20 years now. Wow. Well, first off, congratulations on getting your vaccine. I know Thank that's you. exciting. Uh, you know, I, every time I hear someone is getting a vaccine, I'm, I'm so happy because that's one step closer to us getting live music again. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you yeah. know, Um so what's what's interesting is my uh, grandparents or at least i think it's interesting my grandparents owned a dairy farm and okay. one of my happiest memories is my grandfather taking me to what i called the cell barn um it was a every week every once a week they had a an auction where they would go and they would sell sheep and cattle and horses yeah. and um you know, and I, but I just thought of it, it was the barn where they sell stuff. So it was a cell barn and I would go with him and just, I would be fascinated by, you know, you're sitting there in kind of a, there's the arena down there where the auction pit, where they're selling the animals. 
and you could go beforehand and go through and look at everything and then you'd sit there uh with you know like a soft drink that your grandfather bought you and you'd watch all these animals and you'd hear the auctioneer you know and uh, yeah. so it's one of my happy memories so i would probably smell all that and go back to my childhood and think oh man this smells great yeah we well <laughs> we had where i where i grew up which is about five miles away from where I live at the moment, I mm -hmm. stay close to home. Um, we had the, the, a farmer's market, and I always remember, I always could never un understand what they were bidding with the, 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 um, the auctioneers. They talk so fast. Yes, and they thought, do. How do they do that? How do they do I mean, Yeah, it's, uh, we, we, it's a big farming community around here. I mean, it's a small town of about, I'd say we've got about 100,000, 130,000 at the last census here in Stafford. Um, but between Sta uh, where I live in Stafford and where I work, which is a place called Wolverhampton, uh, home to a famous Wolverhampton band called Slade, uh, I don't think they did a lot in America, but they were big over here in the 1970s. Um, anyway, between here and there, it's, it's a lot of farmland, a lot of... Um, there's dairy farms, there's sheep farms, there's, uh, and where my wife's parents live, they live in Wales. So we, when we drive, it's like a two, three hour drive, and uh, you go past a lot of farms. So it's a lot of farmland around here. Yeah, I, um, in fact, I, my grandfather told the story. I don't remember this, but I, I guess um, I moved my hand during one of the auctions. And the auctioneer thought I was bidding, and my <laughs> grandfather had to go. No, 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 no. He's, you know, he's nine. No. <laughs> my father, my father did that in a car auction once. He scratched his nose. He had an itch on his nose. Yes. <laughs> bought the car, but he didn't realize until after the auction had finished. And no, you bought the car. He said, "No, I haven't." He said, yeah. "You bid." No, I didn't. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Uh, well, Paul, how are you doing? You mentioned. Uh, working on the trains have you been working the whole time during the pandemic yes we have we're one of the few i mean apart from supermarkets and all the other essential shops that are open and obviously people in the medical uh industry and you know the whatever yeah we've been pretty much um continuing throughout i mean we we've been lucky in a way because uh, the government stepped in and um basically pays us basically the because i work for a private company it used to be virgin trains it used to be owned by richard branch and he lost the franchise a couple of years ago and a new company called avanti uh, half british half italian are uh, now running this railway line in the uk and um but because it's a private company because Obviously, during lockdown, nobody was traveling anywhere or not supposed to be traveling anywhere, apart from key workers getting to and from work. There wasn't many people traveling on the trains. So in order for us to keep operating as a business, the government has um, stepped in and is covering the company's losses. The company is still making a small percentage on profit, but any losses they incur, such as obviously paying for uh, the usage of the track, the the um, the electric, what have you, the uh, the rolling stock, paying our wages, the food on the train, and what have you, that is all covered by the government at the moment. So we have been very lucky. I know there's a lot of my friends have been furloughed. My wife's mother was furloughed, and um, 
a lot of people have been losing their jobs as, or, as well. So I sort of, you know, touch wood, we've been very lucky um, that I'm in an industry that has kept us, um, uh, kept working basically. Mm-hmm. And did you, um, did, are you back um, on the train now? I've I've had a I'm off for two weeks. I've had a um, every ten weeks we get a, a week of rest days, okay. uh, so we don't get um, because it's a safety critical role. Uh, you uh, safety is paramount, and it's part of my job to uh, carry out safety on the train. Every ten weeks we are given a week of rest days to sort of so we don't get overly tired when we're doing our job. But also next week. I'm on annual leave. I was supposed to be going on. Well, we didn't book a holiday because there's nowhere we can go to at the moment because we're in lockdown, as it were, still in lockdown over here. So we're not supposed to be going anywhere until at least April. I think that's when we can start visiting places again. So last year we can't. I was 50 last year. It's my 50th um, year. And we had a few things planned, but didn't really happen uh, we did get to go to malta at the beginning of the year which was very nice a beautiful little island in the mediterranean and uh, we had a good week there but we were supposed to go on a cruise um, not a cruise sorry um, we're supposed to go on a trip to india in november i've always wanted to go to india and we booked this trip for my 50th birthday but because of covid um, didn't happen, unfortunately, but maybe another time. Uh, yeah, I, I can only imagine. And by the way, happy birthday. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, that's that's a milestone birthday. So that's pretty cool. Did um, so you must have gotten pretty used to wearing a mask all the time. Yeah, we have to wear a mask constantly when we're working on the trains, but also. Uh, wearing a mask whenever we go into any shop over here now. And, you know, we, we are getting so used to it. I mean, my wife did buy me for Christmas this uh, little Bruce Springsteen face mask here with all his album covers on, which <laughs> which uh, is, is good. And um, But, yeah, I, I think it's one of those things we're going to have to get used to for a long time. I think they're going to be – the government over here has been talking that maybe in the summer – it might you might not have to wear the mask, but definitely in winter, flu season, and what have you, you're still going to have to be wearing masks when you go to work and go into shops and what have you. Not everybody likes them, and they are they um, some masks are better than others. I mean, we they gave us masks at work, which I don't particularly like, uh, so I wear my own, which is more comfortable. But I think it's going to be with us for a while, even with the vaccine. To be honest with you, Jesse. I, you know, Paul, I think so, too. And uh, same thing with my office. I, In May, I started going back into the office. And uh, we, anytime we get up from our desk, we put on our masks. Um, we uh, will, we try to remain distance, you know, going to the grocery store or any shop. We wear the masks. Um, you know, Texas has opened up a few restaurants. And so we've been able to go to... Um, out to eat a couple of times. We don't do it often, but we have a couple of times for something special. 
and the same thing to get, while you're at your death, while you're at your table, you don't have to wear the mask. But anytime you get up to go to the restroom or to go from the yeah, that's it's the same situation over here, um, and it's it's quite strange because people forget, and people all forget that, that you're busy talking, that you're you're eating your foods, you're, and uh, I. <laughs> I went to the, uh, the restroom at the restaurant when we were, when we was allowed to go to restaurants. I think uh, the last time I went to a restaurant must have been June or July last year. And I was just coming out of the uh, of the toilet, and um, this lady was uh, going to the ladies. I was coming out of the gents, obviously, and she looked at me, and her face was like one of horror. My God, I think now I've got to put my mask on. I said, "Yeah." I said, "When you leave your table, you're supposed to put the mask on." And she went running back to the table to get a mask. And Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, it's um, just well, like people forget. Yeah, they really do, and uh, you know, and then we have the few political people over here that you know think that are for some reason very anti-masking um and i just don't understand it i don't understand why you wouldn't just um yeah they're uncomfortable and my glasses fog up but you know if i can save a few lives or save my own life you know let's just get over it and do what's best that, that is a thing i i should, i've been having there's a few people i work with a few people i chat to online who are not um let's say they don't believe the pandemic is as serious as it's been made out to be and my attitude is i believe it is but my attitude to them is even if it isn't what is the harm what is the harm of taking it as worst case scenario you know if you, you know it when you're driving your car you put your seatbelt on you know, there could yes. be no cars on the road, but you still, by instinct, I mean, obviously it's law over here, but uh, even if it was, you know, I, th I think 99% of people would put a seatbelt on that, especially if they've got loved ones in the car. I equate it to that. I mean, what is the arm of putting on a mask? It's not hurting you, but it's saving other people or potentially saving other people. And there is a, I think, especially and our prime minister boris johnson alluded to this a few months ago um the way he does he says oh but britain is a freedom loving country and i think well they are and i think people don't like to be told what to do i, I know you have that problem over there and so we we see a lot of american news over here and um, there was a, a british journalist for the bbc going i think it was going around texas that kind of area talking to people who 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 were protesting they wanted the economy opened up and i get that i get that people are losing their jobs or they're um hitting hard on their on their wallet issues but i i can't see how that equates to not wearing a mask i can't see how not wearing a mask is going to help the economy <laughs> so, you know, wear a mask and then we can all get the economy open again then everyone's going to be happier for it yeah, I, I, I'm totally with you, and I, I appreciate that. Um, and, you know, I just truly, as, you know, we're in this together, and uh, you're right. Let's just, let's, worst case scenario, you know, you're inconvenienced a little bit. On the best case scenario, you truly can 
help people and, and kind of limit. Uh, we just recently, you know, a half a million people in the U.S. died of COVID and which is just, you know, astronomical and so sad. So uh, I agree. Um, all right. We're going to move on to happier talk, though. No I problem. Doing that yet. <laughs> talk about where did you grow up, Paul, and what kind of music did your family listen to? Um, grew up in uh, it's a little place called Penkridge, which is in, in the um, little market town. Uh, well, it's a, quite a big market town now. When I grew up there, it's very small. It's sort of spread out, a lot of new housing. And that is in between Stafford, where I live now, excuse me, and Wolverhampton, where I work. It's about five miles up the road from here. So it's a real small town. And uh, a population when I was living there were about 10,000 people, I would say. Probably probably doubled that now, if not trebled. But the, the music I my parents listened to, they had different tastes, to be honest. My dad was a big Neil Diamond fan. And because of this, because of that, I'm a big Neil Diamond fan as well. I, I, I love Neil Diamond. And I, I think I'm a believer. Um, he's one of the great pop songs ever written. Definitely top five, in, in my opinion, for me anyway. And uh, but he also listens to a lot of easy listening kind of stuff like Mario Lanza, Perry Como. Um, uh, he had a function art, I, I love function art. He had a there was an album released in the 70s, always greatest hits called Portrait of a Legend. I don't know if it was a, a UK release or if it was international, but um, so I listened to that, and there's some beautiful songs on there, and um. Shirley Bassey as well, who again more popular over here in uh, probably than in 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 America. Um, but my mom, my mom's a big Rod Stewart fan, and I'm in mean a massive Rod Stewart fan. And I grew up listening to a lot of Rod Stewart um, in our house because of my mom. Uh, again, and uh, I love Rod Stewart because of that as well. I don't think my parents listened to anything that I that I hated. I listened to a lot of stuff they didn't like, but I don't think I, they listened to anything that I particularly hated. Even uh, even the old Perry Como track I can listen to and say, oh, that's a good song, is that? Yeah. <laughs> Did, um, uh, as you started getting older, uh, did you start, you know, talk about what kind of music as you got into you know later in school and got older what yeah. were you listening to then well when i was quite young when, when i started hitting my teenage years and um my brother was a big david bowie fan and i got into david bowie quite early on probably before i got into bruce to be honest uh because of my brother so i was a massive david bowie fan still am and um the first concert I ever went to in 1987, I was 17, was David Bowie. That was in Manchester. Mm -hmm. so I was listening to David Bowie, but, but going back to sort of teens, uh, there was a lot of, um, you had different pockets of musical, um, what people were into in high school in, in, in the UK. You would have your Duran Duran types and Wham and George Michael. George Michael, you'd have your ACDC and Iron Maiden types, your, your Gothic types as well. And then there was like the U2, Big Country, Simple Minds, 
And I listened to everything. You know, I, I, I don't I didn't think didn't bat an eyelid with buying Fantastic by Wham and uh, and then Iron Maiden, Number of the Beast, or 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 U two or Simple Minds. And I love Simple Minds. I've probably seen them more than any other band. Uh, I've probably seen them close to twenty times. Simple Minds, and I still love their music. Um, but yeah, the first record I ever bought with my own money was. 10cc's dreadlock holiday i was eight years old saved up my pocket money went down to the record record store and bought this vinyl seven inch disc dreadlock holiday 10cc um and godly and cream used to be in them they weren't in them at the time i didn't realize this i think they left around 75 um but yeah that was the first record i ever sort of bought myself the first album I remember buying mm-hmm. was a little bit later was Frankie goes to Hollywood. Welcome to the pleasure dome, which actually sort of got inadvertently got me onto Bruce because they did a cover version of born to run on that album. And I'm 1984. And that would have been and dancing in the dark would have been in the charts and born in the USA would have been out. So I would have been aware of Bruce, but, um, that cover version born toward made me seek out more Bruce because of Frankie goes to Hollywood. So yeah, there's a lot of different music around at that time. The Smiths as well. The Smiths were big around that time. And I was never really a Smiths fan then, but I sort of developed a taste for them a bit later on in my twenties. So I, I ask this a lot, Paul, and some people can articulate and others can't. So it's okay if you can't, but, when you you heard the cover of born to run you decide to go explore bruise what about his music spoke to you well i i'm a big i'm a big fan of storytelling i'm a big fan of um you know i like i like reading i like i like uh, literature and especially when i heard his early stuff the um greetings from ashley park and uh, the wild and the innocent there's a lot of stories there especially incident on 57th street which is still one of my favorite bruce songs but it can tell a story and you get sort of lost in those characters but also what i liked about bruce was there was a sort of with I sort of, I was an awkward kid. I was an awkward teenager. I wasn't sort of, I had friends. I didn't say I didn't have friends, but I wasn't the most popular guy in class. And, um, you know, I wasn't the sort of person to have a, a to have girlfriends uh, like my friends were and one after you. And I think what drew me to Bruce is I've always found there's an awkwardness to Bruce he's not the best singer he's not the best guitar player he's not the best looking man but and you can relate to that yeah i I related to him more than i could to i don't know who was around at the time you know somebody who's like david lee roth who's uh you know or george michael i mentioned george michael earlier you know how can a skinny 
uh, kid like me, you know, uh, an awkward teenager, relate to somebody who's sophisticated. Sure. Like, Absolutely. Like a George Michael. Whereas with Bruce, there was an imperfection about it. That sort of thought, you know, this guy, if this guy can do it, you can do it. You, you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, uh, there is, as I say, there's an imperfection to Bruce that, that sort of draws me to him. I think that's well said. And, you know, he himself has talked about he did not think he was that good of a guitar player. He did not feel he was that good of a um, vocalist. Uh, but he felt like he had maybe a little something in songwriting. Now, as fans, we love his voice. And, you know, I I would be all in favor of him doing a cover album of great, you know, country and Western ballads or, you know, mm. just other things. Um, but, yeah, I can see that. Um, when – go ahead, continue, please. No, I, I guess – yeah, I mean, that's – I mean, I once read um, um, a biography of him um, back in the 80s when he said that, you know – I mean, that's an old story. You saw Elvis Presley on the Ed Sullivan show and said, when I grow up, I want to be like that. But I listened to him talk uh, when he was in, about when he was in high school and how he, he was no good at sports. He was no good at fitting in with the regular, um, I think in America you call them jock types. I mean, they'd be sporty types over here, guys who are good at football, cricket, um, golf, whatever. And... And although I love sport, I love watching sport and even playing sport as well. I've never been any good at it. I mean, that is an understatement. And so that's, again, that was sort of another related thing. I thought, oh, yeah. But when I was Bruce's, uh, well, sorry, when I first got into Bruce in the 1980s, I had aspirations myself of being a writer. And I used to write poetry, used to read a lot of poetry, used to, uh, what have you. So, to listen to those songs, that are, the early songs, they're quite poetic um, and, and also told a story. It was sort of a, a bit of a, um, bit of a, yeah, I, I can, this is really good. I can, I can relate to this. I think that at that age, everybody's looking for something they can relate to. Everyone's looking for some kind of, you know, some area um, or some group they can fit into, you know, like, probably new romantic which was you know even though i like the music i never a new romantic or or goths um or what have you you know the, the the bikers the mods the rockers we have a we have a big thing with that in england between i don't know if you've ever seen the film quadrophenia with the who um yes. but yeah that's a that's a, sort of a big thing over here and I, I went through a phase of being a mod i was a big sort of who fan and and the jam uh paul weller and uh, still one of my favourite bands to this day. And so you, you know, the only time I've ever sort of been in a in a gang, as it were, uh, I'm not really much of a joiner of gangs, but the only time, I was uh, about 13, 14, we all had the, the green parkers and what have you. Uh, too young to ride a Vespa, obviously. So we had these, like, scooters, <laughs> which we went around on, uh, rally choppers and what have you, um, which, ironically, were, like, the bicycle version of the Harley Davidson. So uh, maybe we shouldn't have been riding those. But, yeah, that's... Uh, so, that, so you're always looking for somewhere to, you know, some kind of group to join when you're that age, I think. Yeah, you know, and I, I think 
you know, he's talked about that. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to hear yet, but him and former President Obama is doing a podcast. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I know it's on Spotify. I, I need. To, I've seen clips of it. Yeah, uh, where talking about it, they're talking about their respective fathers, and I didn't. Uh, so I need to watch more. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting because they talk about how they both felt like they were um, outcasts growing up. You know, um, you know, uh, President Obama talks about growing up, you know, as a mixed race kid in Hawaii. Bruce talking about growing up, you know, poor in Jersey. And so I think that is one of the reason. And, you know, I remember John Stewart made the joke once that um, when you listen to you aren't uh, um, you aren't a loser from Jersey. When you listen to Bruce's music, you become a, uh, a loser in Jersey. That's an epic in an epic tale or something along that line. Right. It feels. Yeah. yeah. Um, so as you're becoming, finding more and more of his music, um, have you had a chance to see him live? Oh yeah. I, the first time I saw him live, I was 18. Okay. Um, Sheffield 1988 on the Tunnel of Love tour. Um, I remember it was when he, he was doing Born to Run as an acoustic um, song during that tour. And funny enough, I remember recording um, Radio One over here, BBC Radio One, did a, a Springsteen broadcast from Stockholm in Sweden. And I recorded it on cassette. And it stayed with me for years afterwards. And then for after numerous house moves or what have you, it's gone and I can't find it anywhere. But on, on Amazon Music, that recording is now, you can get that on Amazon Music. So oh, sort of funny. Yeah. So it, and it's, so what he, he, it's good because he, he opens with Tunnel of Love, goes into, I think it's Adam Ray's The Cane, and then he does... Um, the old is it the John Lee Hooker song? Boom, boom, boom. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, and uh, so yeah, and, and and just listening to it takes me back to my first Springsteen gig in 1988. And I went alone. Um, I bought the ticket from Lotus. Um, yep, Lotus. Not Lotus Records. What were they called? Yeah, I think they're called Lotus Records in Stafford. Not there anymore. Like a lot of record shops, they're gone. And um, so I bought the ticket, queued on the Sunday morning uh, to buy the ticket, um, including coach travel uh, up to Sheffield from from Stafford. And um, I was the I didn't couldn't find anybody to go with him because there wasn't a lot. And this is another thing that attracted me to Springsteen, especially in the UK. He he's got a very sort of He's got, a, he's got a large fan base, but it's not a universal fan base. You'll find that, I find that most Springsteen fans, once they're with him, they're with him throughout the duration. It's very few people who dip in. Like, you're, I don't know, you'd buy, um, um, I've got an album, say, by, um, I don't know, I think of somebody off the top of my head, Edie McKell or somebody like that. Yes. But I've only got one album by her. It's not like, and it's a good album, the first one, but it's not like um, I'm ever going to buy any more. Or you might buy a song by um, 
buy a, a one-hit wonder type song, but you're never going to buy any more of those. But with Bruce, I find that most of his fans and people I get talking to when I go and see him live, they've been with him for years. They're not the sort of, oh, yeah, you know, I've just only, I heard this song on the radio. I thought I'd buy a ticket last week. That doesn't seem to happen. I think once they're with him, they're with him for the duration. Um, and it's like following his career and going to his gigs. It's almost like a family get-together every year, you know, and uh, you see the sort of same faces at these uh, concerts and what have you or... Um, you know, I know a few people in Stafford who, who are Springsteen fans, but not many. And I, I like that. I like the fact that, you know, he's not, um, especially in the UK, I like the fact that he's not, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, that he's almost niche in a way. Um, you know, it's like um, a, a certain food that not everybody likes, but, you know, or a certain restaurant that, you know, the same kind of people flock to it because it's uh, it speaks to them or, or they like it, but nobody else really gets it. And, um, yeah, so I, that was another big attraction. So I'm this 18-year-old kid going to Sheffield. And, uh, and yeah, it was uh, sort of, a, wow, you know, this, this gig was fantastic. It was, um, it was in the days before you would buy your ticket, you'd get into the stadium, and where you went in the stage and was unregulated. So I'd start off in the stand if I was feeling tired. It was a four and a half hour show. So, yes. I'd, go and sit down. <laughs> so I'd go and sit down if I was feeling tired or if I wanted to get a hot dog or whatever you have a beer. Uh, but when like the encore came in, I could go down right to the front of the, none of this, you had to pay an extra five thousand dollars or pounds or whatever it is to yeah. get to the circle at the front there was none of that back then if you could get to the front you could get to the front and uh yeah it was a, an excellent uh experience an excellent gig uh, i think it's still my favorite springsteen gig at the end of the day because of that that because it was so unregulated back in those days now we uh, me and my friend of mine we saw him at the o2 in london 2009 December and he did Santa Claus is coming to town he also did Jungle Land and that is the only time I've heard him do that live uh Clarence obviously was still alive back then mm -hmm. and um but when Jungle when the when Santa Claus coming to town came on and the um the encore was coming on me and my friend who I was with Robert we he tried to go down and into the standing area so he could get to the front, but the security came straight away. He says, no, 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 this is this little spot here is where you bought your ticket for. This is where you got to stay. And um, so, so, yeah, it's a bit of a difference between my first gig and that one. <laughs> Paul, I, I always preface this question with the amount of times you've seen Bruce is not a fair barometer of how big a fan you are because there are people that have not seen him at all. Well, yeah, economic situations or where they're located. And then there's other people that were born at the right time living in the New York or Jersey or Philly area and saw them tons. So, but for the record, do you count how many shows you've gone to? Oh, yeah, I think we look, it's okay. just my internet connection is unstable. I don't that's know. Okay. I can hear you now. Oh, that's good. Now. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, uh, what, uh, how many times have you seen him perform live? Oh, let's think. I've 
one, okay, one, two, then we've got three, four, five. About 10, 10 or 12 times. All right, very nice. I um, I, I saw him once in the 90s. Again, that was in Sheffield. I, I went through a period in the 90s, but I didn't listen to Bruce all that much, to be honest. I was, I was listening to my musical tastes were going to different directions. But then I sort of rejoined him again at the Rising. Um and since the rising i've seen him a good 10 times since then um on the seager sessions i mean my favorite one of my favorite gigs was i saw him at the royal albert hall where he did the solo shows after devils and dust yeah which was really good that was obviously and then he did the seager sessions and um and since then yeah a couple of times always seems to be manchester or london um Emirates Stadium in, in London, Manchester about four times. So yeah, I'd say ten or twelve times I've seen him uh over over the years. Um but going back to what you were saying about being uh, how many times you've seen him into barometer, my one of my all time favourite artists on a different tack is Paul McCartney. I've never seen him. I've never seen him once. I've only seen David Bowie once that first time in nineteen eighty seven. And um so yeah um i i agree with you it's, it's not a it's not a barometer to how big a fan you are i mean i know people or i speak to people on twitter who uh who seem to have been to every gig every tour i've never really uh done that obviously in this day and age there's financial constraints for obviously ticket prices are so absolutely high. and there is um i th- I'll tell you what disappointed not disappointing me. I would have loved to have done the Broadway show, but obviously yes. the tickets were so astronomical. Yes. But I would have loved to him to have brought the show to the West End in London. You know, that what I think that would have been good, even if it was just for a month. I you know, know I know a lot of people were hoping that. Yeah. Uh, because that, you know, often Broadway shows do do that. You yeah. know, uh Hamilton and others will go and we'll have a, you know, a run there. And, um, and I guess he, I, I, I was actually a little surprised he didn't, uh, because oh, yeah, he, has, yeah. he has such a connection with his European fan base there at UK and all the other countries in Europe. Uh, there is a, a special love uh, between Bruce and the band and those uh, gigs. Like, I don't know if you were lucky enough to have Apple TV and watch the Letter to You documentary. I I, I haven't got Apple TV, but somebody did post it. Okay. Uh, a link to YouTube. I think it's, I think it's got subtitles. So I think it's okay. the Spanish link or what but i still haven't got around to watching it yet i mean i my wife brought me the born to run um autobiography yeah uh, when it came out and i've got i'm i'm i've got so many books on my to read list <laughs> i still haven't got to that one yet i know and that feeling got, <laughs> yes. but you're a big bruce fan and you haven't got around to reading that yet and but i feel like a lot of the stories that I that he tells on 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 Broadway, the Springsteen on Broadway, and, and and the snippets in the book that I've read, you feel like, yeah, I've heard versions of this before over over the over the years, 
through different interviews and, and what have you. Uh, but I'll, I'll definitely get around to reading the book and watching that film. I, I think uh, you will enjoy it. It is, but there is a scene in uh, the Letter to You documentary where they talk about opening up shows like in Italy or Spain. Mm-hmm. They talk, they mention venues in Europe and how, you know, because, and I, I was lucky enough to talk to Marine Van Zandt. Uh, oh. And she, yeah, she was lovely. She joined me on the show a couple of times and she talked about, it's all about the food and shopping. <laughs> like she's there for the shopping and that uh, Steven just adores the food, you know, so he would tour just for the chance to eat all these great meals. Uh, so that's wonderful. Um, so you've already told me a lot of great stories about seeing him live. Um, any others you want to share? Oh, that- one of the um, one that's just popped into my mind. You talked about um, Maureen Van Zandt. I don't know why this has just popped into my mind. Um, I went to see Bruce in London. Was it two thousand and eight? Yeah, it was the Magic. It was the Magic tour. Because um, I think you know George W. Bush was just coming to the end of his presidency, mm-hmm. and I went with a friend of mine, John, who was a big. Bruce fan um, but he's he's become more my friend John this is he's become more apolitical over over year, over the years and he, he sort of wasn't really Bruce was talking a lot about rendition and 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 uh, and, and uh, the, the issues in America at the time during the tour which um, yeah, even in the UK, you can relate to those similar kind of issues because we, you know, we, I think we both went through the uh, the the Iraq War and what have you. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously, uh, what I think Bruce would have known that he would, you know, speaking um, about issues in America does does translate to the UK. Um, but that isn't the story. The story is that another friend was supposed to come. Uh, this Robert, as I mentioned earlier. And he would, he had started seeing a new a new uh, a new girlfriend, and uh, and so he made a decision not to join us. But he'd already bought the ticket and paid me for the ticket. And I said to him, "Okay, I'll try and sell the ticket for you, if I can." Anyway, I sold this ticket to a ticket tout outside the stadium for next to nothing. I think I got ten pounds, if that. Anyway. Um, when my friend have gone into the stage and we've had a few uh, couple of drinks and we're waiting for Bruce to come on and all of a sudden this drop dead gorgeous blonde American lady appears to our left and 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 then when the show starts and whatever and we got talking uh, throughout the gig and uh, I, I said oh, did you buy your ticket outside he goes oh yes I, I I'm I'm working over here for about a year she said um and i've always been a bruce fan i've never seen bruce live and and i live up the road and she didn't know the gig was happening she didn't know the concert was happening she saw this line of people walking past all springsteen t-shirts on and what have you so she came out the front door asked somebody what was going on oh yeah bruce is playing at the stadium up the road so she's gone and bought a ticket off a ticket tout and just bought the ticket that i sold and so obviously i could have had i could have spent four and a half hours 
stood next to a middle-aged balding man who was my friend Robert. <laughs> and I spent four hours stood next to this drop-dead gorgeous American lady with blonde hair and uh, and getting to sort of chat to her for like uh, for so that was a, it's a, an interesting experience. That was before I got married, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. That is a great story. Uh, you know, it. I, I told the story before, but uh, Dallas. Uh, Bruce was playing on a Tuesday, um, a Tuesday night in uh, Dallas for the River Tour, the second River Tour. And Sunday night, uh, there was WrestleMania in the Dallas area at the big uh, Dallas Cowboy Stadium. Yeah. And so I was at a uh, House of Blues. I was going to meet a bunch of uh, different fans. And I was talking to someone outside, and um, he was actually a the drummer on the local Dallas um, Springsteen cover band. Okay, I'm talking to him, I'm visiting, and and all of a sudden, came, someone came up to some um, two young lads, and they were both wearing WrestleMania jerseys, and they were Irish because you could hear the <laughs> accent, and they said. And I won't try to do an accent. You know, they said, excuse me, you were talking about Bruce. I said, yeah. He said, uh, what's going on? I said, oh, uh, I said, well, Bruce is playing here tonight at the American Airlines Center, which is just like three blocks down the road. And they both look like you're kidding. We were here for WrestleMania. We have tickets when he's going to tour in uh, Dublin. But uh, we did not know he was playing, and our flight leaves tonight. I said, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, he's playing tonight. And I don't know if they went and called the airline and said, look, you've got to change our flight or not. Uh, but they were so, they were so disappointed. Uh, <laughs> and you can imagine, right? Like you've flown all the way from Ireland, you know, you're there. And if you just stay one more day, not only could you've gone to the WrestleMania, but you could have caught a Bruce show. So I always think of those two uh, poor guys, like they, <laughs> they look crushed. Paul. They were but at least they had tickets for Dublin, which, yes, uh, yeah, which I, I believe he always does good shows in Dublin. Yes. Uh, my wife, yeah, my wife is from an Irish family, and uh, we've been to Dublin a few times, and it's, it's a good night out in Dublin, so I can imagine uh, seeing Bruce in Dublin would be a, a good experience. Yeah, I would love that. I think of all the places, um, if I had a wish list, right, if I had, if I had the TARDIS, um, I, you know, and I could go to anywhere. Uh, I, I would love to see, I would love to see in a show in Australia because that just mm -hmm. looks like a blast. And yeah. then I would love Ireland. I think that would just be so much fun to see. I, uh, my, um, still on my to-do list, on my bucket list, if you will, is to see Bruce in New York. Now, whether it's Madison Square Garden, Giant Stadium, um, you know, but or Meadowlands, wherever. But mm -hmm. I thought, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him in 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 New York, in this sort of home neighbourhood. I know he's New Jersey, but you know, it's tri-state area and all that. I'd like to see him in his own neck of the woods, and also visit the Stone Pony. That is, yes, uh, that's absolutely. on the to do as well. Absolutely. Um, so share on with me, Paul. Um, what are some of the, your favourite songs and albums that mean a lot to your family? Um, 
What, in Bruce or just uh, in, in, anything in particular? Uh, well, we'll stick with Bruce now and then you can share other ones if you want. Well, I, um, I, I love... Um, I love the early stuff. I, I do love the first three albums, I think, are the ones I play the most. Um, mm. Ashby Park and Wild the Innocent and Born to One. Um, that set, I have got a, um, a soft spot for a lot of the later stuff. Like, uh, Magic is, is a fantastic album. I, I love Magic and, and The Rising. and um, But also... I'd say Ton of, of Love is a, is a particular thing. Obviously, it's born in the year. I mean, you can go through a whole list. Yes, it absolutely. Depends your, it depends on your mood. I mean, I always think there's different eras of Bruce, different, you know, if you listen to, I always use the example, if you listen to I'm on Fire. Yeah. And then you listen to maybe night from born to run i've you know unless you're i i think you can say you know the the, the styles are completely uh, poles apart um between what he did back in the 70s and what i mean as, as i said earlier i'm a david bowie fan and we all know that bowie went through different changes throughout his career mm-hmm. different styles of music and what have you but i think bruce has to a lesser degree um, I mean, you had the twangy guitar of the river and born in the USA, uh, you know, working on the highway, Darlington County, that opening sort of twang, which I love, um, which I, you know, probably first originated on the on the river album. But also you've got the the, the hard guitar sort of from Adam Razor Kane and Badlands, uh, which is sort of resurfaced on Letter to You, uh, you yes. know, um, Jane, what's that song now? Janey, Janey needs a shooter. I think that's what yes. it's called. And then um, obviously you've got uh, a few of it. And I think of all the albums, um, on his later albums, Letter to You is more reminiscent of the stuff in the 70s, especially around the darkness on the edge of town era. Especially, you know, you, you listen to Janey needs a shooter and... Um, and I were a priest and even ghosts. And you think, yeah, you could, these could be on darkness quite easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I do love this new album. I always tend to play to death the new albums anyway. Cause, sure. And when you listen to them the first time, because we've, we've Bruce so much has come before and it's, it's hard not to compare. It's hard not to compare what he's doing now with the stuff that he's done before. So you'll listen to it and you think, hmm. And sort of a sense of almost disappointment sort of engulfs you. But then you listen to it again. Then you listen to it again. And then by the time you've listened to it for a tenth time, it's your favourite album. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you think, oh, you know, and so... You sort of, you know, it's like Stallone in Rocky. You write him off at your peril. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keep <getting> back up. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with that. That it is amazing what he can do, and um, and I think it's such a it's amazing that at this age, 
um, you know, 71 that he's putting out new music. Yes. And um, it's just, I I love that. I love it so much. Yeah. It it does amaze me. I mean, you know, people, there used to be a running joke. I went to see the Rolling Stones in London in 1999. Okay. And we were on a tube train coming out of central London, my brother and I, to see the Rolling Stones at Wembley Stadium. And um, the train driver or conductor, whatever he was, he came over the PA and he said, um, ladies and gentlemen, just like to announce anybody going to Wembley for the Rolling Stones concert tonight, it has been cancelled. And everyone on the train is going, oh, Oh, why has that been cancelled? And then this train guy said, um, Mick Jagger can't find his Zimmer frame. And everybody said, oh, he's joking, blah, blah, blah. But at the time, I think Mick Jagger would only have been about 50, uh, maybe a bit older than that, 50. And I thought, that, and that was a joke back then. And when yeah. you think, oh, um, the two best albums of last year, for me, obviously a letter to you, but also McCartney 3 uh, and McCartney 78. And you're listening to it. And I think this guy's the same age as my dad. Yes. You know, my, my, my dad, who, who, you know, needs a walking stick and <laughs> to get from A to B. And, you know, and, uh, he's got type 2 diabetes and this, that and the other. And you think, God, and this guy is churning out this amazing music that, you know, I mean, yeah, I do listen to modern bands. You know, I I, I like to keep, um, you know, there's a couple of groups, uh, the Seahorses. Sorry, no, the Seagirls was a band over here last year who did a, a really good album. But, and, but you're listening to that sort of music, uh, any modern band. And I've got a friend, Keith, who only listens to modern bands. Okay. Uh, he doesn't listen to, he, he thinks... He believes music is for the here and now, which I, you know, I don't completely disagree with. But you listen, and I go to gigs with him sometimes, and I listen to the new bands. But you can always hear old music in these new bands. You'll listen to something, and you think, that's been done before. Even if it's a chord change, or a bass riff, or, or, or a drum solo, you listen to it, and you think... I've heard that before, 30 years ago, in that particular song, on that particular album. Um, pointing in a uh, case in point one of my favorite albums is the joshua tree yeah you and um but it the blue sky opens with the exact same drum beat as when the levy breaks by led zeppelin on led zeppelin 4 it's not even disguised it's a complete rip-off sure. <laughs> but you know it's that's the thing you know you i remember there was a music, um, a music journalist in, in the UK a few years ago. And he said, you know, these things aren't surprising because there's only so many chords. There's only so many chord changes and different sort of riffs that people can come up with over time. So that's why you'll listen to Let- Letter to You and you'll think, yeah, that sounds reminiscent of what he's done so many years ago because... Especially, especially with his lyrics, you'll listen to Bruce's lyrics, and he does sort of like to um, repeat a theme, as it were, or repeat a sort of a um, 
a type a particular type of lyric over his songs uh, i think especially in the 80s i mean in the 80s he used to say put sure a lot in his music mm-hmm. um, um at the end of a sentence um johnny 99 atlantic city you know um I, f- I forget the lyric now but uh he has sure at the, an awful at the end of it an awful lot um and so you know I think if you're a songwriter, you're going to revisit stuff you've done in the past, even even if it's subconsciously, um, because you know, because as I say, there's only, only so many sort of uh, different types of lyric and, and, and chords that you can actually come up with. Absolutely, I agree. Um, th- this is. This has been so much fun, Paul. I just appreciate yeah, it so I'm much. Great. I'm great. Yeah. yeah, I've had a great time. Uh, what should I have asked you that I didn't? You should ask me the Mary question. Nope, that's what I'll end with. I just, before I get to the Mary question, <laughs> anything else I should be asking you? Oh, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't think of anything. Else. Okay. Do you know, I'm the, I'm the kind of guy, when we finish doing this, about 10 o'clock tonight when I'm having my cocoa, I'm going to think, I should have said that. Yeah, or this and the other. But, yeah, I, but, you know, you, you, you can't remember. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm 51 now, and, and yeah. Bruce, has been, you know, Bruce has been performing for as long as I've been alive. So yeah. you, can, and, you condense that into a one-hour conversation. Well, and Bruce, impossible. <laughs> he's been a companion for your life. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you know, Absolutely. when he says you'll need a good companion for this part of the ride, and I always think his music is that, when, you know, that line from Land of Hope and Dreams. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, if you are a friend of Paul's, and you're listening to this, I hope you enjoyed the conversation, but you may be asking, what's the Mary question? So the Mary (laughs) question is uh, Jay Armstrong, who is an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area, he just recently retired, uh, would spend two days in his honors English class with his seniors, and they would take the poem Thunder Road, and they would break it apart. They would look at all the lyrics, they would look at the imagery and the themes of the song. And at the end of the two days, um, Jay looked at his class and said, okay, does Mary get in the car? So Paul, that is your question. At the end of the road, does Mary get in the car? I always always think she does. Uh, The reason I think she does get in the car is before, even when Bruce is at his most downbeat, I think my favourite Bruce song is Downbound Train off um, Born in the USA. Uh, again, twangy guitar, but it's just a beautiful, crafted and well-written song. But obviously it's not a very... Obviously it's, it's about a time in the character's life where he's, uh, he's not going through a particularly good time. Um, but I think even, even with a song like that, I think predominantly Bruce's music is quite optimistic. And I don't think that um, he would, the song itself, Thunder Road, would have ended um, with Mary not getting in the car. I think basically the character, yeah, there's a line in the, in the, in the song, isn't there? You're, uh, you're not that good looking, but yeah, you were white. Right. But also, he's downplaying his own sort of 
talents. Um, I'm no hero. Yes. That's on the board, or the redemption I can offer you beneath the studio. I've got this guitar, I've learned how to make it talk. He's basically saying, look, I'm not great, but neither are you, but we may as well not be great together. Yes. <laughs> and and I, I think there is, um, and that again speaks to a lot of people, because that is 99% of the world. That is, you know, the, the one thing I dislike about, modern sort of tv culture and um is even ugly people have to be good i mean i remember a show called ugly betty i don't think they make it anymore yeah. but what i did what i disliked about ugly betty even betty was good looking she wasn't ugly yeah, <laughs> she exactly. was, I, think, I think amy schumer does something like this when she does her stand-up routine she talks about this and uh, you know um you know Kevin Hart getting off with Cameron Diaz or whatever he's in wonderful. And you, yeah, you see where she's coming from. But yeah, I think the whole point of Bruce, he speaks to people, uh, like I said at the top of the show, who, who aren't in that 1% good looking athletic, um, uh, who can articulate themselves perfectly. And, and, and Bruce in interviews, I mean, I think he's better now, but when I first saw him in interviews, he. He, he tried to articulate himself, but you could tell he, he speaks slowly with a long draw. And, he, and I always thought to myself, he's thinking hard about trying to sound, you know, he, 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 he's, he's not this sort of Ivy League grade A student, um, you know, who can, um, you know, the sort of person you'd see on um in an American courtroom, the top lawyer who can uh, think of an argument off the top of their hat. And I'm like that. You know, you ask me a question or, or you know, I have to think long and hard to debate within myself what my answer is going to be. And, and when I do speak, I don't want it to come out and sound like gobbledygook. Um, you know, and so I, I, I get that a lot. But going back to whether Mary got in the car or not, I always thought she did. And for years, I, I always thought the sequel to the song was The River. Right. Primarily because Mary, the character's name is Mary in the river as well. Well, then I thought about, I've been thinking about this, and I thought, well, I don't think the guy in Thunder Road would be the same guy in the river because I don't think he would settle for, um, a, you know, a union coat or, 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 or working for the Johnstown Company or, or one of you. Uh, I don't think he would settle for that. I think he'd probably be more like the character, as I said to you on Twitter, in, in Nebraska, uh, you, know, to, you know, picking up Mary, who's twirling her baton, who then gets in the car and they go on a killing spree. I think it's more, yeah. I think, listening to the, you know, getting a feel for the character in Thunder Road, I think he's more, and there's a line, isn't there, like a killer in the sun in that in that song. So yes. I think he's more inclined to go on a killing spree with Mary than he is to settle down uh, to a life of domestic um, upheaval rather than bliss, which is what the river is all about. Um, you know, I don't think he will be that character. Uh, and I think she will be attracted, but I think she will be attracted by the danger uh, of that particular character. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, 
her character itself is is sort of at the last chance saloon by by what you read between the lines of the lyric and uh, she's looking for somebody to come and sweep her off her feet and i think she's finally realizing that that's not going to happen and this guy might be the best thing or the the only chance to sort of you know it's a t- you know the town for losers we're pulling out of here to win she can either remain and be a loser or she can join this guy and and you know win in inverted commas because i, th- I don't think with their lives there would be any any sort of victory ahead but uh, you know um it sets up the rest of his work because obviously that song i think that was closing line you know it's a town for losers we're pulling out here to win is a sort of pessimistically optimistic line uh, there's an irony there i think and when you listen to the songs on darkness on the edge of town and the river you think yeah they left the optimism and sort of drove headlong into a world of pessimistic sort of um downtrodden sort of um hardship as it were and uh, most of his songs between then and born in the usa and even tonu love even though that was more personal to him uh deal with characters who don't have you know who whose life hasn't panned out the way they thought it would do i i, I think i i think that sort of everyone can relate to that i mean even you know even if you have a good or a nice life and i've got a good life i've got a great wife uh you know, i've got a good job but even i can sit back sometimes and say oh if you'd have told me when i was 20 that this would be my life now i'm 50 you'd think well no um you, you think it was something else so yeah you, you um and i think bruce captures that in his songs uh, more than most songwriters do i think you're well said i, I totally agree um, this has been great. You are a wonderful guest. I love all your stories. Um, if someone wants to reach you, are, are you on any social media? Yeah, I'm on Twitter um, at Paul Thomas Hamer. Uh, is it PT? Hold on, it'll be at PT Hamer on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, I, I'm on Facebook as well. My, just Paul Hamer on Facebook. Okay. Uh, I think there's a few of us. So. Um, but yeah, I think I'm the only act PT Hamer uh, on the Twitter, if I think. And okay. uh, so, yeah, so they can chase me up there if they want to. <laughs> that sounds great. All right. Um, just thank you. Any final thoughts you want to share? Oh no, this has been this has been uh, absolutely enjoyed. This it's not. You know, my wife's not a big Springsteen, well, she's not a Springsteen fan at all. It's, it's yes. like an opposite to track. She's not a and as I said earlier, I I don't know that many people who are who get his music like I get it and yourself gets it. So it's good to sort of chat to somebody who uh, who sort of, um, who, who, who does, uh, really. And yeah, I've really enjoyed this. Well, uh, you were a great guest, and uh, I love the idea. You know, one of my favorite things is finding people on Twitter that are talking about Bruce, and we reach out and we're able to visit. And so um, thank you for taking part of your day visiting with me. Uh, Paul, I hope you and your family stay safe. Uh, thank you. Let's, let's all hope that 
soon. We're going to get out of this pandemic and we're going to meet for uh, a show and share a meal and just enjoy life again. Absolutely. And my one final thought, which I was yes. going to say to you earlier, when Bruce does tour again, I'm really hoping he starts every show with the song Tequila by the <laughs> Champ. Oh, I That's love what that. I wanted to do. That would just make my day. Say, yeah, stick two fingers up to those people and say, yeah, tequila. <laughs> that is funny. I have not heard that, and I love that. This is so wonderful. Uh, thank you, Paul. All right, yeah. listeners, you stay safe. Remember to social distance. Remember to wash your hands. Remember to wear an effing mask. Let's all be good to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this. And for now, thank you. Be careful, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store, where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page, where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listening Bruce. Set Listening Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. So, thank you, Paul. That was great. No, I enjoyed it. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, uh, are you any chance you're a um, are you a Doctor Who fan? I my wife's a big. I do like Doctor Who. My wife's a big Doctor Who fan as well. We haven't really watched much of the latest one. Okay. With um, the female Doctor Who, but I think we're more. David Tennant, Matt Smith types. Yeah, okay. Uh, we do love, yeah, so we do like Doctor Who, absolutely. I, 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 mean, I grew up with Doctor Who in the 80s and the, yeah. and the 70s with Tom Baker and John Pertwee. Um, so I've, I've sort of been, uh, and I sort of lost interest when uh, in the 80s. I thought the storylines became a little bit um, 
childish in a way. But I yeah. think the, um, the latest ones, um, starting with Christopher Eccleston uh, through to David Tennant and Matt Smith, and yeah, we we the good stories and um, and yeah. Yeah, I do a Doctor Who podcast as well, and so I um, I try to work on a Springsteen reference every once in a while when I'm talking to my buddy, <laughs> and uh, we uh, we did a fun episode to celebrate the fifth year, uh, five year um, episode, five years of doing Set Lessing Bruce. My buddy Charles, who I do the Next Stop Everywhere with, which is the our Doctor Who podcast, we each picked five shows that we would go to if we had a TARDIS. Uh, and to go and so he picked five concerts in the past I picked five concerts in the past and I always joke that if someone you know every once in a while someone on Twitter will say if you had the TARDIS where would you go and I said I'd go to every Bruce show ever I just would go <laughs> jump from show to show to show uh, and see that so well good well when you get a chance check out Jody. she's very I think she's very good um, you know, it's especially very different after Capaldi. Uh, Tenet's yeah. my favorite doctor. I just love, I loved him as the 10th doctor. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm a fan of all the modern doctors. I yeah, I, I did like Peter Capaldi. I, I was surprised they went with him. I, I, either, I, I thought he was really, I liked his assistant. I look, I'm a big Gemma Coleman fan. And I, I, I think the Tomorrow Girl, the character she played, that is still my favourite sidekick yeah. of all the sidekicks. I think I really love her sidekick. Yeah, she's great. All right. Well, thank you. I've kept you long enough. Thank you, my friend. That you is stay fine. safe, and we had a great thank time. You. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Jesse. Uh-huh, Take care. Bye-bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.